0: credits are over and now it's time for us to talk
1: and save now, now we have to do things we have to be entertaining and uh, energy we've we've had hard days we've had hard days no
0: but it's always energizing to see your your the cute little face of my baby brother
1: <laughs> Ay, come oh, on yeah. now there you go come on how are you doing uh I'm I'm good I'm good uh, you know getting through the days in this current state of what the heck. And <laughs> yeah. um yeah, I mean, look, it, everybody talks about it. It's, it's just the constant. So we should probably just accept that and move on. Everybody's move on
0: to other things. Have you, cooked, have you cooked anything
1: interesting? Uh Yeah, I, I did have some fun with that. Dad uh, sent me some fun things uh, to cook with. Uh, for Christmas and birthday and stuff and nice um, frozen uh, uh, hatch chilies and um, dried uh, chilies to cook with so I'm kind of learning about how to do that stuff and he sent a recipe for um, roasted potatoes or like 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 uh, you know roast potatoes in the pan with uh, poblano peppers and red onions and that was really good Oh, yeah, he sent me that recipe too. I haven't tried it yet. The blonde working, like learning how to cook a little bit with with peppers and stuff has been exciting. And then that, that, you know, that shows you what's been going on here. Yeah. How about you? You made something. You showed me a picture of something recently. Oh, yeah.
0: I cooked some stuff. I I cooked the best split pea soup I've ever made this week.
1: You sent me a picture of something that looked like like a ham steak. Lightly braised with with this kind of a PA soup infusion.
0: No, that's just because the the ham, the pieces of ham were all floating to the were all on the top. When you mm-hmm. give it a good stir, it was integrated. More didn't
1: more. I, what I said wasn't? I didn't mean that as a as bad
0: thing. Yeah. No, it did have a lot more ham. It wasn't like I threw one ham hock in there. There was a lot of meat in that soup. But Now do you touch. do you
1: actually do the hock? It's the hock or do you cheat and use ham? I
0: would like to do the hock. I I wasn't able to to find any hock, uh, any hocks, so I actually used a smoked sausage. That'll do. Um, cut up and uh and I did a lot more onion and celery um and carrot than normal and really caramelized it.
1: before. Yeah, there the, you, yeah. Caramelization. That's really what cooking was invented to do. That's yeah, why we do it.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, and then I made my, uh, signature, um, cheesy, uh, cheesy green chili. And I used hatch chilies in it. Cheesy green chili skillet beer bread. Which takes about three minutes to put all the ingredients together, mix them up in a bowl, and then pour them into the cast iron skillet and put it in the oven for 45 minutes. And you have uh, just a festival of flavor. Sounds fantastic. But last night was the highlight. Dad sent me a, a crepe pan. Oh, wow. Okay. And I cured it yesterday and made crepes for the first time. And they came out pretty good. You know, pretty good. I just put a little Swiss cheese, thinly sliced Swiss cheese inside and browned them a little more. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what you can also do,
1: you can just smash a piece of white bread onto a plate and (laughs) scoop it up, scoop some Nutella up with it. And it's, or you could uh, microwave that if you want to, but crepe, you're not a crepe fan. No, I am. I actually am. But I mean, it's a lot of work and I'm like, the flavor levels are probably hit about the same. If you think about it.
0: The, the, um, the work actually was a, a lot less than I thought it would be. It took me just a couple of minutes to make the batter. I, I made a tiny bit of batter just cause it was just me enough for two crepes, one egg, a little milk, a little flour.
1: Could you put some of that pea soup in there? <laughs> I didn't put
0: the pea <laughs> soup in there, but I probably could have. I probably could have. So that was my, uh, and you know, tonight after the show, mm. I have a, uh, New York strip steak air drying in the fridge, right now. And that's going in a pan after the show. I I, I think that
1: sounds like a really good plan. Yeah.
0: So uh, so it's a great, great show tonight, and um, we'll see y'all next week.
1: Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you everybody.
0: You, you you talk to the people. Oh, send us a while. rating if you
1: can. Get, Thank you.
0: I'm gonna go get a steak. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let me see. We got a comment here. What is it? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Here we go. My, my very good friend Carrie Berger Rosenthal says the Arkans cook on newsstands now. I guess that's a subtle way of saying start talking about start the start talking about the movie guys. 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 You don't care about your
1: food? And yeah, you, it doesn't sound, culinary yeah.
0: adventures. It's exciting, but before but... we talk about the movie, you, you watch anything
1: else this week? You watching anything good? Um, my watching anything good uh, other than what we're watched for tonight um let's see i have to i have to look at my notes because i watch things and i forget i forget what they are i get you um you know we saw some stuff we saw being the ricardo's finally caught up with that
0: Uh uh-huh
1: aaron sorkin's uh being the ricardo's such a good writer he was a good writer we saw zola uh really really cool indie film called zola did is you hear
0: about
1: that? no no although it's almost as crazy as Zardoz is uh that's a it's a really good good indie movie um what else do we see uh i'm still riding high on earthquake you know that movie meant a lot to me it was a lot for me to think about and i'm, uh,
0: I'm gonna stay silent
1: no yeah i'm gonna mind my own. i'm business. gathering you know i want you to know that i'm gathering um intel on this and i have some backup um not that you know you were open to my ideas which i really i mean i gotta say i really appreciate that because it's it, it's a crazy thing to say what i said but um i'm i'm hell bent on 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 getting some other considered opinions uh weighing in on it
0: okay I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll try desperately to keep an open mind
1: or maybe you would take the challenge and try to get some people to, you know, shoot down my theories and destroy me.
0: I don't want to crush your dreams. You're my brother. I love you. I, I support you.
1: Um, well, thank you. Thank you so uh- much.
0: Oh, we're told here that no Carrie wants the recipe. Oh, okay. So <laughs> she was,
1: serious. Uh, she was uh, serious. Okay, good. That's good to well, know. Well, let's let's get to work. We got All some right. work to do.
0: Don't you want to know what I've been watching? You've you been, watching, you know a been Brit- watching
1: a a British. Well, let me think. British crime uh-huh. drama. Yeah. Uh-huh. With a female lead. No. You twist shows on me.
0: I switched shows because um, BritBox ran out of episodes of Vera. Now I would have to subscribe to Acorn. Like, Why is it
1: always everybody else's fault? It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always blaming somebody else.
0: So I started watching a different British, uh, Shetland. Um, and now I want to move to the Shetland Islands because that looks like the most beautiful place on God's green earth. Um, starring Douglas Henshaw. Um, and actually in the latest episode that I just started watching last night, but then I fell asleep. I had to go to sleep. Uh, Brian Cox is in it.
1: Oh, well, he's great.
0: And he's a spectacular actor. So this is a, it's a good show. Brian Cox is a regular on it. No, he's just the, uh, he's just the guest star on, I guess each crime is two episodes.
1: So he's, let me guess. He's the guest rich, scary guy.
0: No, he's the odd, scary guy who lives uh-huh. in alone with a crow. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right. Interesting character he's playing. But enough of this foolishness. Let's get on to uh, talking about. Uh, I think it's time for us to have a very deep discussion. <laughs> Me too. You
1: see what I did there? Me too. Uh, yeah. Let's get Let's get into it, shall yeah. we? The core. Uh, 2003 a
0: whopping 135 minutes it's a long movie a two hour and 15 minute joy ride to the center of the earth this movie made me feel like i was being sucked into the bowels of the earth <laughs> Didn't? <it? laughs> yeah let just cut right to the chase um what's it about do you want to tell people what it's about yeah
1: uh sure i'll take a stab at it and i'm not even going to read this off of you know the website i'm just going to kind of try to wing it okay um it's uh, this movie is about uh a science a professor played by aaron eckhart who um makes a discovery uh, a shocking and horrifying discovery that the molten core of the earth is going to stop rotating. It's stopped. It's stalled out. The, essentially, the engine of the earth, which controls the magnetic things that you need. <laughs> yeah, the magnetic things that we need. For survival.
0: Yeah, because mm-hmm. if the core of the earth stops rotating, then all of the magnets will fall off your refrigerator.
1: You won't be able to get your laundry lists. You won't be able to know what to get at the store. It's going to be rough. Bad things will happen. A bunch of just refrigerators across the world with just all different kinds of magnets falling off. Children's just, artwork
0: all over the so kitchen it's floor. It's terrifying. Horrible. No, that, very, that very doesn't moving, happen. moving. Ladies and scary. gentlemen, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. We're being silly.
1: So Aaron Eckhart uh, just makes this discovery. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. He knows it's going to happen. And he tries to gather some intel, and he he he, he is then approached by the government who uh, vets what he has to say and says, you're right, what do we do about it? So a team is gathered. Now, core to the film, if you forgive the, not even pun, because it's, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. But central to yeah. the movie. Central to the movie. Um, Getting a, to the heart of the matter Is exactly Is a conceit that Somebody who flies a, an a, a space Oh something fell over Is everything alright I guess so Oh that wasn't anybody I know <laughs> um,
0: Live theater people
1: It's happening right now um, Yeah so uh, A team is gathered Among them who would you think to get to go into the center of the earth to start the earth again? Well, an astronaut. Yeah. Get an astronaut. You would,
0: not, you would not in a million years approach a, for instance, a submarine commander.
1: No, that would be insane. Yeah. No, that because would flying, be flying,
0: flying a, a, an enormous uh, metal worm through solid rock is exactly the same as flying a space shuttle.
1: I, you know, uh, I'm glad you agree. I thought I'd get more of a fight. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. And so they get a team together. They assemble much like the seven samurai, if there were only five of them. <laughs> and they all have special abilities, including Delroy Lindo, who plays a scientist uh, who's estranged from his old friend, Stanley Tucci, who ripped him off. Yeah. Delroy has built a um a giant laser mon- monocratizer, a a device, <laughs> a monocratizer. I think that's what it was called, wasn't it? No? <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, wherein he shoots las- plasma lasers at, at anything pretty much and makes a hole, and you can go through it.
0: Yeah, I if this was an episode of Phineas and Ferb, it would be called a giant rock awayinator
1: okay yeah i'll take your word for that um and uh so you know uh the the Delroy lindo says well how much you know he goes when do you need it he goes we need it very soon how much money do you need and he goes oh i'd need billions of dollars and they go you have it and so in six months they build this device assemble the team and they go into the core of the earth here's the plan with nuclear bombs that they will set off to restart the earth because that's how you do, that's apparently how you do that. So you're saying there are plausibility problems with the movie. Uh, I honestly have never seen a movie that has a more insane central premise than this film.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to my son uh, who is very, very smart. Uh, and knows a lot about literature and literary tropes, and particularly about things like science. Like he, he's the one who explained to me about. We were having a discussion. He said, "No, no, no, Dad, that's science fantasy. This is science fiction." And I was like, "Oh, what's the difference between you know?" And he was explaining to me the difference between science fiction and science fantasy, two completely different things. Um, this movie sort of purports to be science fiction. But science fiction has somewhat of an obligation to say, here is the science that we know, and we're going to extrapolate into the future. And this takes the science that we know and says, we're going to give the science we know magical powers to do things it could never do.
1: (laughs) It's, it is the equivalent of a 1950s, you know, schlock sci-fi movie with that level of of attention to scientific detail you know when if you go see like the original mission to mars from from the 50s right and what space travel was depicted like yeah it's the same level of you've you've got to be freaking kidding me And what's the movie the,
0: the the mars movie with james um oh god i'm blanking on his name his son's a big tv director james james whitmore isn't James Whitmore in one of those big, like, Martian landing on Mars movies?
1: Probably. I don't know. I, I can't help you with that one. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, yes. No, James Whitmore is. He's in Them. Them. The, with yeah. the ants. Yeah. Oh, but
0: that's the ants. What's the one I'm thinking of? There's one where they land on Mars, and the ladies are in, like, foil dresses. and
1: There's a lot of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what this movie is like.
1: Yeah, it's the same level of believability. Yeah. yeah. Um, um,
0: there's, I, you know, I, I would commend readers who want to dive into what is wrong with this movie scientifically to the IMDB trivia page for the movie. That has a list of things that scientists put together with what's wrong with this movie. That's as long as you're armed.
1: It's hysterical to read. I'm sure. I I can't even imagine. I, I the thing that I I kind of find endearing about it though is, is the fact that they all kind of know and are just like I, we don't care. We're just gonna enjoy this ride. And oh, they're swinging the
0: fences in this movie.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um
0: What was your relationship to it when it came out?
1: Um. I didn't see it when it came out. I did see it. I, I caught up with it on video, maybe, maybe six years ago, uh-huh. five years ago. So I had seen it before, not too long ago. And it had been recommended by friend of the show, Peter Stray, um, who oh, yes. um, loves this kind of movie and, and thinks it's hysterical and, and and demanded that I see it. And I was very grateful because it's completely funny to me. And, and, um, On on multiple levels, I, I, I enjoyed it when I saw it before. I kind of enjoyed it this time, but I, you know, I mean, it is shameless. It's absolutely shameless. I, uh, how about you? What did you, had you seen it? Uh,
0: when you suggested watching this movie and you said the core, I assumed that you were saying C O R P S and it was a movie about Marines i i didn't remember ever hearing of it i didn't see it i knew nothing about it. it okay completely went right under my radar and that may have been because it came out not that long after after um 9-11 you know a year and a half or so after that and i had uh a young child and was busy with parenting and not seeing movies like this but um I I I'm... I be,
1: I get everything except a year and a half after nine eleven. I, that's not a connection. I I can oh, okay. understand. Were well, you well, not going to movies a year and a half after
0: nine eleven? I out was of busy some kind with of... children and and uh, showbiz and diapers okay.
1: and you know. Because um... I mean, you weren't under investigation or anything like that. I'm just trying to clear up <laughs> what <laughs> made it impossible for you to see movies as connected to nine eleven. But I we can move on. <laughs>
0: Okay. Um, I do. I did spend a lot of time um, because this movie was so bad that I, I, I came into this evening's show, or rather I woke up this morning pretty secure in the knowledge that you were not going to be explaining to me tonight why I was mistaken and this was actually a good movie. So... I thought, you know what would be really fun to do? What would be really fun to do would be to come up with some take on it where I pretended (laughs) to think it was a really good movie and come up with some angle which I could try to explain to you why it was actually brilliant and really good. Mm -hmm. And I really worked on that and realized there was the movie was so bad there was no way i could <laughs> even pull that off the angle i was going down was i was going to say this is what it actually is is a brilliant morality tale because each of the characters who dies and they do die one at a time until the only person that's left the only people that are left are are, um, Hillary Swank and, and Aaron Eckert, but, but Bruce Greenwood dies, Delroy Lindo dies, uh, Cario dies. and it's the Magnificent Six, right? Chucky Cario and then Del, and then, um, Stanley, uh, Tucci. Stanley Tucci, four people die one after the other. And I, I tried to come up with some sort of thematic thing that the four of them had in common that, that if this, if this, then death, if that, then survival. Um, And I was saying that they all believe in something, so they (laughs) die, right? Bruce Greenwood believes in his country. Serge believes in his family. Delroy Lindo believes in his ship. And Stanley Tucci believes in in posterity and, and having a reputation that will go down through history. Whereas, uh, you know, Aaron Eckert's just a scientist and then uh, Hillary Swank's just a pilot. <laughs> so they live. So the, the message of the movie is if you believe in something passionately,
1: yeah. you're going to die. It's
0: over. You're going to die. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sell it. I couldn't sell the I, idea. I, I do appreciate the effort.
1: There. I really do. Uh, you might have something there. Um, um, yeah.
0: But. um So the, the pedigree of the movie, the writers, Cooper Lane wrote the classic, uh, the fog. Yeah. And, uh, John Roger wrote a lot of TV, uh, things like, um, the librarians series, which is sort of a fun fantasy adventure series. Um, and then directed by John Amiel. Who who directed a lot of television, and then started directing movies, and then directed this movie, and <laughs> had to go back to television.
1: Well, he was, I guess, put in a bit of a penalty box for it, I suppose. What's interesting about John Emile, I don't, I guess I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it, John Emile Emile. Um, he is a uh, he is a British filmmaker and he did start in tv but not only that is directed one of the best tv things i in my opinion ever ever done um and did some really good stuff um did you ever see the singing detective no oh man the singing detective is uh is a cult thing and it's it's really incredible it's the first time i'd ever seen michael gambon Mm-hmm. and uh he's amazing in it um and it's um it, it's it's a really disturbing kind of head trip of, a, of an experience i think it's maybe six parts or well Deni- dennis potter is the writer of it uh and he was famous for you know pennies from heaven and um and other stuff and this was uh this is really exceptional so john amiel did that and he did some really kind of classy movies with like Summersby, and and then we get here, and um, I'm not going to lay the blame at his feet. i, I was I hon- just going to say
0: exactly that. You I, know, I think you said I think he, was he put in the penalty box. I would not lay this at his feet.
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think he deserve. I think he deserves praise for for what he did because I think considering the material that we're working with. He cast it really well with a lot of fun people and he, he, he decided to kind of have just have fun with it. And, and I appreciated that he didn't, he didn't think he was making an Eisenstein movie, you know, he just, he knew what he was making. You know,
0: the, I wonder, you know, there, there are some decisions that I would have made differently with this movie visually, not in terms of the the visuals of in, i thought the inside of the ship was was spectacular
1: it looks good yeah
0: i thought that looked great um where where it broke down for me was every time they went to the um uh the exteriors the exteriors of the interior of the earth i think it could have been much more interesting if we had stayed in the ship And experience the claustrophobia of that journey in the way it would have actually, if you tried to have some sort of nod to science, what it would have looked like to them. But every time we cut to these exteriors of a ship that we're watching as if it's flying through space when it's actually tunneling through Earth, you lost me.
1: Well, where is the camera? I mean, I don't quite understand. (laughs) Exactly. How are we seeing it?
0: Right. Whereas if all of that was from mission control and was sort of, you know, computer generated images of what we think is going on down there, because we have to be tracking the ship. And if out the windows of the ship, we didn't see any, you know, if it bore some relation to a nod to reality.
1: Well, you don't know anything about big blockbusters, do you, man? You've got to see the giant expensive things. You have to. Yeah. They wouldn't let you do it. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't let you dos boot this. They wouldn't let you do it.
0: But boy, that could have made it.
1: Terrible. It would have been it would have been a much better way to go. Yeah. Much better. Um, and I, I my guess is knowing John Emil's earlier work as a director, he probably was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And, like, I wish we could do it that way. The other thing that they
0: needed in this movie um, was a horta. You see, if they'd had a horta, this whole thing would have, there wouldn't have been any, everything
1: would have been fine. Is this the part where I ask you what a horta is? Yeah. What's horta a horta?
0: Was, horta was on, there's an episode of Star Trek that there was a creature that could bore straight through oh, solid yeah. rock. Remember I remember that. that. Yeah and and they bla- they think it's a monster and they blast it with their phasers and and uh is that the one that looks like a hamburger? It looks like a hamburger and it can tunnel through solid rock and and Spock mind melds with it finally to figure yeah. out what's going on and it's the pain the pain You know, that's weird.
1: I that's I think probably the first Star Trek I ever saw. And it traumatized me terribly because I remember that uh, hamburger creature vividly. Don't they yeah. shoot it with a phaser and it glows? Shoot it with a
0: phaser and it hurts it. And and when then they find out at the end that it's actually, you know, protecting its eggs um because they're doing mining operations and and they're they're discarding these things that they think are worthless nodule you know mineral nodules of some kind that they don't understand mm. and then spock mind melds with the horda and they find out that those are all actually the eggs of the Horta, and then once he communicates with them they realize that wow we can cooperate and the hordas will do the boring through the rock to help us with the mining operations and we'll protect their eggs and everybody's happy
1: and they could like have they could be horda, horda rancheros <laughs> yeah exactly
0: and and they they realize that they have a lot of horticulture. Um, I'm you, sorry, you really I, need I... to stop
1: doing that. <laughs> yeah. We need that need. We should probably avoid yeah. that. They go to theater type of thing.
0: Um. Uh. And uh. But let's. Uh, I want to find some stuff to praise about this movie. There there were some sequences in it. The bird
1: sequence. When it, was, it was good, yeah. The, the bird cons- attack on on uh, London.
0: Yeah. The conceit is that the messing up of the magnetic field messes up the bird's navigation abilities and causes them to freak out. And there's this sort of mass migration attack event in Trafalgar Square in London. People are killed. It's it was that was pretty good.
1: I thought it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed that um, a lot.
0: I was thinking at that point, hey, this movie as ridiculous as the premise is it shows some 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 uh, some uh promise the the ridiculous premise showed some promise um and then I also thought that the landing of the uh space shuttle in the l a river outlandish crazy, but for an action adventure I, yeah. you know, I love
1: well, that I love that sequence. I actually thought that was fantastic I, yeah. I you know, I mean, look if we're talking about movies of the ilk of armageddon and you know to a lesser degree deep impact which is much more realistic i think but in essence all these movies are somewhat ludicrous and this one embraced that more wholeheartedly than any of the ones that we've seen deep impact what's that about deep impact we had a guest on the show for we saw that did we see that movie (laughs) we did see (laughs) that (laughs) that movie how dare you? What if Joe's watching now? Oh, my God. No, I remember Joe. Of course oh I remember Lord. Joe. We've lost a subscriber. <laughs> um, oh, my God. We're <sighs> down
0: to four.
1: <laughs> yeah. We needed him. That was a quarter of our subscribers. <laughs> um, yeah. um,
0: I don't I, think it's I, gonna have a very deep
1: impact on our, our viewership. Here's what I you I'm as I said, we really should think about not running <laughs> that to that level. And okay. Maybe not so early in the show. At the okay. end. All right. Um so the it's... bird event, the
0: shuttle landing, the setup of the two scientists and Richard Jenkins, I thought was terrific. When 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 Aaron Eckhart sort of Sherlock Holmes's the 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 reason why they're there in washington like he figures out what's going on like why he and this other scientist would be there the only possible reason could be x y and z i thought that was terrific
1: yeah i did, i did too i did i you uh you i don't i I won't i'm not going to like try to tell anybody this is a, like an excellent movie but i had a i had a great time watching this movie yeah i did too i mean i yeah, think I it's it's I, it. I laughed my my ass off i i thought there were some surprising sequences in it like the ones you mentioned and then there are some of the most embarrassing things i've seen in a movie in a while and uh i enjoyed all of it i enjoyed the good and the bad what would those embarrassing things be oh my goodness well i think i have a couple i i think i think stanley tucci's death in this movie is about as funny I mean, the whole lead up to it, the way it happens, there's a part of me that feels like they got to about that part of the movie shooting and yeah. they got tired and they were just like running out of money and running out of steam and his death in particular, uh, he gets trapped because a, a, a nuclear device rolls like a barrel over his leg and traps him. Yeah. Yeah and it is literally like it, it looks like the 6 million dollar man it, it looks like a styrofoam it's like a stunt from that show and yeah. it the amount of like oh no and oh my god and what? stuff that he has to do to convince everybody that he's been hit by this thing and that he's yeah. trapped underneath it and he can't move is is um is amazing it's truly really astounding but I did love his actual
0: death scene. Where it's, it's hysterical. I thought, and I and I loved his commitment to it. His his commitment to what a pompous ass he was being, and then the realization that he was being a pompous yes. ass, and yeah. that he has a moment of growth and redemption. Yeah, right before he dies, and let, let's say everybody. There's a lot of acting in this movie. There's more acting in this movie than than maybe in seven other movies, you know, movies put together.
1: Scientifically provable.
0: Yeah. And Stanley Stanley is a brilliant actor, but he's responsible for a lot of the acting in this movie.
1: Stanley is both great in in his his accomplishments, his ability and in the size of what he is yeah, great in terms of size he will and, and he can pull off the big stuff he really can oh, he can chew any furniture that you have in <laughs> in on the set he will yeah. chew through it like a beaver and it's it's always fun to watch and what's great about tucci is that i think he he got the joke he t- yeah. he clearly totally gets the joke. He knows what this movie is. I feel like he got the job and he'd already gone to the premiere in his head, like he yeah. knew exactly how it was gonna get received. Okay.
0: But we have to do something here that they do on NPR, which is you know, if they're doing a story about a sponsor, they have to say NPR is sponsored by blah blah blah. So, you know, take our reporting with a grain of salt. And I think we we do have to mention that that stanley's dad was our homeroom was my homeroom teacher and your art teacher for many years and i knew stanley uh in high school and
1: in college so we have mr tucci was i mean in all seriousness was uh one of the most important people I I knew growing up he was oh, yeah he was
0: a, a profound influence on your life
1: yeah like huge um I owe I owe a lot to him and um and I and never, when you I, say
0: Mr Tucci we're talking about Stanley's dad
1: Stanley's dad yeah. who I you know I I I can't I call him Mr Tucci out of his honor I mean like he he was a he was a great artist and and probably the best teacher of what he did. Of, of art that I, I ever met he he was incredible and i never met uh his son uh always admired his work and always felt like i always hope to one day meet you know or work with stanley tucci just to be able to tell him like i i just I, I'm i was in love with your dad so and he's looks so much like him like it's always yeah. it's kind of crazy too um in, down to the wig, the wig that he was wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I wonder like that wig that his dad I, used to wear. Yeah. <laughs> I think he modeled it after his dad. But um, you know, he gets the joke, and he and he his death is just hysterically funny. And but also it's also like you can see him going, like, I know this is this is insane. Like what they're asking me to hear to pull off is funny. Like all the deaths. Um the French, the the French uh, nuclear expert. Um uh is his death is pretty extraordinary, you know? Um, when he's trying to look like he's being crushed into uh into a pulp when they're yeah, clearly just like moving that. tables yeah. and stuff closer to him and he's <laughs> trying to act like he's getting crushed and, and nothing's happening.
0: I wanted to see effects there. I wanted to see like a person burst like a, a squeezed tomato.
1: Well, you're not going to, you didn't get it and you're not going to, cause they made this movie already and they, they <laughs> neglected to put that in here. Um, I want to say, cause there are, I think there's a lot of specific things we could mention and, and lines of dialogue and stuff. Was there any other general thing you wanted to say about the movie or what your take on it is other than, specific things that were funny or not um general stuff what do i have generally
0: um well uh in terms we were talking about the reception earlier um a.o scott in the new york times said that the cast of the core and this relates to what you were saying about stanley um the cast of the core deserves oscar nominations just for being able to speak most of the lines without succumbing to chortles
1: There are a couple of shots that look like even Aaron Eckhart yeah. just couldn't do it, actually succumbed to chortles and they kept it in.
0: Yeah. And the other thing I think is like interesting that 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 it's the opposite of deep impact in that we, we find out that the government finds out that the world's going to end. And they keep it a secret as opposed to in deep impact. They find out that the world's going to end and they tell everybody.
1: Right. Which makes sense because Deep Impact is about the effect that news has on the peop on people and what they do their emotional lives and and this is just about cut to the team getting this done and yeah. here here's what I what I kind of came to about it um, we have a comment from Brian hey Jasper. Brian Copycat's a, a a wonderful movie it's actually um mm-hmm. it, it, you know underseen Copycat is really cool. Yeah, Brian Jesuit um,
0: says personally, I think Emil's better work is copycat.
1: Uh, agreed, absolutely agreed. Um, it may be his best movie, but the but the point I was making was like, here's what I really appreciated about the core, why I like it, why I had a great time watching it, is that unlike a lot of other disaster movies, which which try to play on my heartstrings and do it pretty ineptly, like right really lay on the schmaltz and, and lay on the sentimentality and that's not really my favorite part of the disaster movies i like the the action part of it i i don't go to have my tears jerked out of my face so <laughs> i i i appreciated about the core that it had a real howard hawks sensibility to it and howard hawks is a director i love i know you like a lot And I think in that spirit of really focusing on the team and the expertise of getting the job done, and didn't matter really particularly if you were, you know, a a woman pilot, you know, or that you were a black man who had made an invention, or was like very open to involvement. Who could be involved in solving this problem, as long as you can do your job, you're you're okay. And even people that. Are difficult, like Stanley Tucci's character. Just, you know, he gets a punch in the face. Delroy Lindo does what everybody would want to do, like anybody would want to do in that scenario, and punches him in the face. But it's also that kind of Howard Hawks punch where it's like, listen, I like you, but this is what you deserve. And he punches him. And that's kind of like over. The movie never veers into backstory. Interestingly, I think we never learn about anybody's backstory. The only thing we know for a fact is that the 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 French scientist has a family, but we don't know anything about them. Right.
0: And we know that that Stanley ripped off
1: uh, Delroy. Right. Right. And it's just enough to keep like stuff alive in the room with their characters. Right. But it never it never gets into a a sad tale or a sentimental or or, or any of that. There's no time for it. They're just on the mission and they're trying to do their job. And I like movies Mm -hmm. like that. I appreciated just not having to sit through on top of a silly narrative and a ridiculous, a ridiculous concept. Also, you know, a lot of emoting heartfelt backstory thinking about, you know, people's children or lost parents or whatever. It's just like, I I wouldn't have wanted that. So I, I, I appreciated that it didn't give me what I didn't want. Yeah.
0: You know, a great moment that Stanley had, I thought, I think one of my favorite moments in the movie was uh, Stanley in the moment where, where all has been lost and he's like, well, that's it. We turn around, we go back, all's lost. It's over. And they overrule him. And they're sitting there trying to figure out what to do after he said that that absolutely nothing can be done mathematically, scientifically, there's nothing can be done. And they're trying to work out their their equations. And he's listening to them. And finally, he's like, "Okay, no, you see what you you do. And his moment of realizing, "Okay, I'm stuck here. I'm going to participate and make this work. I thought that was you know, so often when actors have to do a, a completely interior shift and, and present it visually, it comes off as crap. And I thought he handled the whole thing beautifully.
1: He really um, did. He really did. I mean, he is, he is, uh, he could be shameless. And, and when when he's in a certain mode, a certain kind of comic mode, what's funny is that he, he actually like, he played this, like he plays, his comedies yes he kind of played this the same in the same mode that he would be in like almost like devil wears prada or something like he really did and i i i appreciated that
0: but then we go to the other end of the spectrum and we have moments like when when hillary's when hillary swank's uh idol and commander and mentor dies her reaction is a tongue click a sigh and she kind of goes There's (laughs)
1: Wow. Yeah. <sighs> oh. <There's,
0: laughs> it's like, really out of, there's
1: some out of touch moments.
0: It's like it's like oh darn my mentor just got swallowed by lava. Guess it's time to move on.
1: Yeah. He also goes from Aaron Eckhart also has a scene where he flips out because she made the call to close the door on on Stanley Tucci, right? I right. think it was Tucci. And uh, you know, save the crew and lose him and he flips out on her. Crying and screaming, how could you do it? How could I you do save it? Them. It's screaming like, like yeah. f- full on breakdown, and then cut to he, like, they're sitting in the chairs together. He, like, looks over, he smiles. It's like, you yeah. cut some I'm scenes here, you yeah. completely cut like a half an hour out of this movie.
0: Yeah, I'm over it. Um, any uh, favorite uh, lines or oh, moments? Yeah. I have some favorite lines.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean. I have. I, I, this is a, this isn't so much a line, but it's something that somebody says that I, I thought was hysterically funny and unintentionally. Uh huh. And, um, it's, uh, is it, it's Bruce Greenwood. Yes. Yeah. He, he, it's before they go on the mission and he has a moment with Hillary Swank. He's her, her, You know her boss essentially and taught her everything she knows and um he's like so you know you're you're feeling pretty good like you're winning right she goes yeah well you know i'm great i'm i know what i'm doing and he's like uh i don't know she's like what what's wrong and he goes you haven't lost yet you know yeah like makes a face and he goes you're not a leader until you've lost and then he leaves. And I'm like, interesting sentiment, maybe true. Couldn't have picked a less, uh, a, a better, like a worse time to say this than now. What of what purpose would it have been to tell her about to go on this mission, who's trying to psych herself up to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's all going great, but you know. You Haven't failed yet. You'll really, you're be gonna fail. You're you failed. gotta fail to so, just so yeah. you know, so you maybe
0: can... fail on this mission and uh, the planet will end, but you'll that be
1: incredibly strange choice to have yeah. to have him say that to her. Then, yeah. Um,
0: one of my favorite lines in a positive sense was the uh the FBI agents who were sent to pick them up and they don't want to they in Aaron Eckhart is like well he's drunk and he's like well what if I don't want to go and he he makes a joke or something and one of the FBI agents says we have no sense of humor it's great and we're and we're armed <laughs> you know? so it's great that got a good laugh out of me but one that that completely um lost me was after Bruce Greenwood dies, somebody says, I forget who it was who says it, but they said, he would want us to complete our mission. As if, I mean, that's something you'd say, like, no, they'd he'd want us to have the party, even though he died. He, Of course he wants you. What, what, yeah, what else are you going to do? Just like, turn I
1: died, so I think that's you should how, let the world end. the whole world should end. Yeah. I mean, I'm just that st- kind of guy. It was
0: the stupidest line. It's like, he died, but he'd still want us to save the world. How that was this? the dumbest line I've ever heard in my life.
1: And no dumber than uh, than when the French... Um, I can't remember this guy's name, and it's terrible. Uh, Chucky Cario. Oh, that's Chucky Cario. Yeah. For some reason, I never thought that was his name. I knew the actor. I refused yeah. to believe it chucky Carrier, that is should, yeah yeah anyway uh in his death scene
0: and he should not be confused with jelko Ivanic.
1: they're very different very different except for their names which are exactly the same <laughs> yeah. um when he's dying aaron eckhart is talking to him on a video monitor and he's looking at this monitor through the you know there's a the next compartment is getting crushed by the the atomic weight of the earth is just crushing all the equipment into a tiny ball.
0: Yeah, which and
1: is heavy. The earth is heavy. There's a lot there. And and Checky Cario, he's a big guy, but he can't he can't take it for much longer. No. And he's getting crushed. And Aaron Eckhart is crying and talking to him. And he's going, you know, he's going, What's what's Checky's name in the in the movie? Serge. It's it's right. Serge
0: would pronounce it Serge. They pronounce Serge. Serge.
1: Serge. Serge. And he's like, Serge, oh, Serge, you're gonna be good. We're gonna get you out of there, man. And then he goes, I'll come to Paris and we'll hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. You. Okay. And I also really like when Richard Jenkins comes up to Aaron Eckhart getting ready for the news conference and Aaron Eckhart has got like a coffee stained shirt and he's trying to do his tie and he's got like a corduroy jacket that professor would wear. And Richard Jenkins goes, you look good. And walks out, clearly you don't look good.
0: Time out though. Richard Jenkins, one of the great actors that we have. Yeah. In the world.
1: No argument here at all
0: from me. Just, oh my gosh. Every time I find out he's in a movie I'm
1: watching, I am so excited. Mm-hmm. There isn't, there's not, there is, doesn't seem to be a style or a, a kind of script or a kind of character that he can't convincingly do. You, You just, I mean, I'm always amazed at the, at the range that he has. I really yeah. am. That um, is so good. Um, A,
0: a couple of problems uh, aside from the, uh, you know, the... Um, the movie. The movie. There's a moment, and this just gets my hackles up, where Aaron Eckhart says the word nuclear.
1: Does he mispronounce it? Yeah. That's yes. it's not okay. That was take 47, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I mean, this is almost as convincing a teacher... As Mark Wahlberg in The Happening, like I don't <laughs> honestly feel I, I like Aaron Eckhart. I just don't necessarily buy him as a college a college professor. science professor. Is am I wrong? There is there is no. There some...
0: I am so with you on this because
1: I like him. I think he's fine to watch. He's he's entertaining. He's good. He's he's. I just don't think that that's within the uh, the range. Another line that
0: got me. Guys, at this rate, we have about three minutes before the lava gets us.
1: When do you get to say that? And, you know, That's very it's a great you line. It's it. never <laughs> been said. It's like so rare. So um, double feature. Yeah, double feature. For me, I would say uh, I would double feature this with the fantastic voyage. Oh, we're so close. What'd you say? Journey to the center of the earth james oh, mason yeah, yeah. the early one
0: 1959 with james mason
1: classic great one
0: no yeah. gomez no that <laughs> yeah. one i
1: used to watch that every weekend
0: there you go yeah okay. uh who am i who are you
1: oh you are clearly i almost said this when you mentioned the line but you're the fed who has I'm no the sense fed? of humor oh
0: okay huh and who are you
1: i'm the italian guy that gets electrocuted by the television when rome explodes <laughs>
0: Oh I had I had so much more respect for you
1: Oh you shouldn't have
0: I shouldn't have What did you say I made you DJ Qualls Oh really Yeah I'd love to see you play that part The renegade I I would take that Yeah I appreciate that I was the guy in Mission Control Who starts crying when he thinks they've all died (laughs) That's
1: good (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I buy I, bu- I buy that. Um and the sequel. The sequel? Is this a new I haven't thought of a sequel?
0: Yeah, for some reason I have in my notes a question. What would we call the sequel to this movie?
1: The corn.
0: The corn. Mine was <laughs> my, <laughs> mine was the poor, meaning I'm pouring myself a drink after watching okay. this movie. Okay.
1: <laughs> I highly recommend this. I think that if you know what you're in for and you know you're going to see some absolutely ridiculous nonsense, this is the movie to pick. Yeah. It has it has it has some of the most memorably ridiculous death scenes, some really really like overblown crazy effect sequences that don't really make much sense, but they threw everything at them. Yeah. Um it some
0: a... really very exciting sequences where it I does. I mean I was actually um you know, caught up at the end, you know, are they going to make it? Are they going to be as ridiculous as it was? I got caught up in it.
1: It's, it's got the believability of a, of a, of a Thunderbirds episode. Pretty much, (laughs) you know, um, but, but it does, it does what it does really well. I want to say, I think my favorite moment, I don't think it's a scene, my favorite moment. There's a, they're demonstrating in front of a panel of, of scientists and world leader or America, you know, us th- officials, um, the science behind why the earth has stopped turning. The core of the earth is not turning and why we need it to turn and all this stuff. Right. So Aaron Eckhart, who, uh, who is woefully ill-equipped to kind of do this is, is up on this dais confronting all these Nobel prize winning scientists. And, um, just trying to figure out how to, how to explain the core of the earth and the fire and what to do? Uh, how to explain it better? And so he goes to the giant craft service table that set up the buffet that they always have <laughs> at these things. I'm surprised there wasn't like a waffle chef there, like you know, <laughs> the omelet station. The omelet station would have been good. <laughs> but he takes a, a a peach and then a giant sword skewer and he skewers it. And he runs back over to the middle of the dais and he goes. Okay, and then he looks over to Stanley Tucci, and Stanley Tucci goes, "I'm on it." And (laughs) as if it's a choreographed magic routine, exactly, he jumps up out of his chair, douses the peach with lighter fluid, and then they light it on fire, and together demonstrate a flaming peach. No, it's like an air freshener, flaming
0: like torch. Yeah, it's like Lysol
1: thing, and they torch it. That's right, they torch it, and it takes two of them.
0: Scientists, no, but see, Tony, you know, they
1: do that all the time in the
0: classrooms.
1: Professor. Yeah. They're always using it's as a, if it was, ball, a,
0: a Lysol acetylene torch to it, make a demonstration.
1: It's like Aaron Eckhart could have turned him and gone, okay, Stanley, number 22. And like, he yeah. just would come up and know exactly that they were going to light that peach on fire with a, with a can of Lysol.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's sort of, you see, what you didn't understand is that's foreshadowing, right? That's foreshadowing for the kind of cooperation and MacGyverness that they're gonna have on the mission that's gonna get them through all of this.
1: You're 100% right. And I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you that Cooper Lane and John Rogers talked about that while they wrote this movie. Because <laughs> you know the other people that know what it is are them. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: They and know. That's it.
0: that's it. They know. Oh my God. So much fun. So silly. Is this Um, the
1: conclusion
0: to the Disaster?
1: This is the end of Cataclysmic January. Um, I liked ending with this one. I really did. It was fun. It was lighthearted. We weren't at each other's throats. No. She's always nice. I think we we both uh, uh, appreciated it for what it was. Yeah. To see the...
0: I'm sure mom's happy to be watching us get along for a change.
1: Yeah. Entering into this new phase, we're coming up with another kind of month of stuff to see. Yes. Um, along with the idea of a double feature or a triple feature. Yes. I'd like to start working into the conversation. What's the perfect way to see a movie? this movie? Oh. Not just what to see it with, but... Under what circumstances? Under what circumstances? Like, you know, with a romantic date or
0: with your best what buddy or with some kind you don't of like very theater,
1: much. or you could include food or whatever, whatever what, circumstances what flavor
0: popcorn you would all of that can be included. Yeah, bees or whoppers,
1: right? Right. You know, we can get Rotten as technical as we want to throw
0: at the screen.
1: It's up to you, you okay. and the viewers or the listeners. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of the new month, next month is British Horror February. We've got quite a lineup. Uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, 1969. Curse of the Werewolf, 1961. Twins of Evil, 1971. But we're kicking it off next week with 1960s The Brides of Dracula. Um, I find it hard to believe that Charlotte Rampling isn't in that movie, but she's not.
1: She wrote it and she wrote and directed
0: <laughs> She Can't wrote it and directed it. Yes. Um, so we hope you join us for that. We hope that you subscribe.
1: We hope that you like our, our podcast. That's all we can do is hope, you know, we can hope. I hope you do. It would be nice. We certainly could use all the support and help. and likes We're trying and... to keep hope alive. Speaking
0: yeah. of one last thing, I bought a book this week called uh, Hope Never Dies, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, you know, as, as you know that I'm into the detective fiction. Somebody wrote a detective novel about, uh, before Biden won the presidency, or theoretically won the presidency, but when, uh, after Obama lost, I mean, I mean after you know whatever when trump was in office somebody wrote a detective novel about uncle joe biden hanging out at home like wondering what to do with himself and his old buddy barack pulls up in front of the house and he's like come on we've got this mystery to go solve and they go off on a on a buddy detective uh mystery and the novel is called hope never dies and i just bought it and it's it's got one of those old pulp covers you know with the two of them in a in a convertible and obama pointing into the future and it just looks
1: starring morgan freeman and clint eastwood coming soon to theaters new Year. it
0: looks fantastic and then there's a sequel to it called hope rides again i can't wait to read this
1: wow all right I'll,
0: I'll, i'll report back to you on it
1: give me the details
0: I will. So please join us next week for The Brides
1: of Dracula. We're getting watch- into this, some exciting territory.
0: Yeah, watch it this week so that you can uh, join in the conversation.
1: Or don't, because we love to ruin and spoil. Yeah, we don't. So if you yeah. want it spoiled, you'll get that. We love to ruin movies. Um, Alright.
0: Good night, you. everybody.
1: Thank you, man. This was great. Good night. Good night.